Welcome to episode three of the The Secret Podcast, Break Magazine, Patreon-only podcast. I am sat here for episode two, once again with Simon Pavey, my father, because we are all under lockdown. So you're only allowed to hang around with people of your own household, which we don't live together, but we basically live together. <laughs> basically live together. So that's fine. There's no, but the, but the plan I originally had for this month's podcast had to go in the bin. And you are my second choice. Sorry. Oh, boo. <laughs> in the most lovable way. So I thought it was a really good opportunity to ask you about some things that are much more in your forte than the last time we asked we had a podcast together about teaching people to ride motorbikes, how people can get better at riding motorbikes because you are the head instructor of BMW's off-road skills course. So while you can't run courses, I thought this was a really good opportunity for you to do some teaching. I have a bunch of questions to ask you about people getting better on motorbikes, the mistakes they make, how they can improve and so on. So my first kind of question um basically i was hoping that you could outline the five most important skills for people to improve their riding off-road like what are the five things that are really really fundamental that are important that maybe don't get enough attention well i, I think the easiest one which does get a lot of attention is body position however the challenge is understanding what that really means and how to get better at it. Um, you, you know, there's plenty of things on the internet and obviously we do it at the start of level one. The first one of the early things we talk about is good body position and being balanced on the bike. And uh, but it takes a long time to develop that and to get comfortable with good body position and keeping yourself balanced at all times. But it's certainly one of the, you know, the most important things because we then go on to talk about a little bit more technical, but about throttle control and clutch control and finesse on the brakes. They're all critical, crucial things. You can only do those things well when your arms are relaxed because you've got good balance and good body position that leaves you free to use the controls. As soon as you've got tension because you're a little bit off balance and you're falling backwards or forwards on the bike because you haven't yet evolved that natural feeling you will be clumsy on the controls if you're trying to hold on and use the controls at the same time doesn't matter how much skill you've got with those controls you suddenly lose that finesse because everything goes into holding on so it, it's you know it, it's something that of course getting some pointers from an instructor or from the internet or whatever is helpful but you do just need to spend time riding and concentrating on staying balanced so when you when you say staying balanced what what are the most common mistakes you see people make with their riding position or or the mistakes that they're making that they're maybe not aware that they're making I, I think uh, being very static, you know, people tend to sort of get, they get themselves into a situation at the start of their learning to ride off-road where they concentrate on one or two things, which is right, you can only concentrate on one or two things, but then they maybe get one piece of that information a little bit confused or a little bit uh, 
unclear in their head and then they sort of lock into that so you know maybe a good example is we always talk about you know the default standing position of having your legs pretty much straight and for some people that means they then just lock their knees the whole time and never move from that uh, kind of fixed position so it I think I think again that's where it takes a little bit of time to work out what that default is but it is a default position you know we have to move around on the bike all the time we have to you know even though the default is pretty much straight legs we have to be in some circumstances be prepared to to move a little bit to keep in balance and to be predictive with that as well uh you know and that that's where looking ahead and looking at the detail of the terrain as well as the big picture of the terrain which is another thing that's super difficult when you first start riding is you know your first your first bit of instruction and you'll again see it on the internet all the time oh you've got to look further down the trail well that's all well and good but just looking staring staring blindly into the distance far down the trail doesn't help you when there's a few little bumps in the way and those bumps throw you off balance so you have to recognize the shape of the terrain and and allow the bike to move under you to to stay in balance so there's a compromise between looking down the trail scanning scanning what's there seeing the change in terrain and then looking past that obstacle so it, it's where it's a you know it is a very complicated skill a complex skill to learn to ride well and it does take time so you talk about there are five you know if we talk about five core things they do exist five core things for sure they're all interacting a little bit and you can't you know you can't beat spending time just perfecting one of those things at a time or not perfecting but constantly improving one of those things I think another key thing to make sure you're doing though is that you are practicing the right things in the right order because there's no good constantly putting a lot of miles in riding a bike in a bad standing position because you'll just you'll just continue to strengthen the bad habit okay so we've got standing position when you so when you talk about standing position what uh, and the process of being in a good position and then moving what does that what does that mean like what what are the key markers for someone being in a bad position versus a good position I, um, I think the easiest thing for you to tell for yourself is have you got tension on your arms? If you're having to hold the handlebars, then you're not quite getting it right. You, okay. know, you, should, you should be relaxed on the hands all the time. So sometimes to correct that, maybe you need to move your feet a little bit to change your whole structure of your body. You yeah. know, Maybe you need to bend a little bit more at the hips and articulate. Like Everybody's a little bit different with the height of the person as well, but... For sure what we've learned is in trying to teach people to ride better off-road is you know if you concentrate on on getting your sort of feet position good and and that you always bend foot from the hips before the knees sometimes we do need to bend our knees a little bit but as i say the default is back to that nice upright position but it's making sure that you move in a you know in a nice way that you're keeping yourself balanced and central and not ending up having to recover your balance by pulling yourself back on the handlebars or pushing yourself on the handlebars. You know, that's always a recovery. And hey, it doesn't matter how good a rider you get, there are situations where you need those, you know, you need to do that to recover your balance. 
but it's much better to not have to recover your balance. So if you're constantly working on getting yourself to where you can just stand on the foot pegs without having to compensate by sticking your knees into the tank to grip the bike or or recover your balance with your hands, mm-hmm. then um, you know we're starting to go in the right direction. Okay, cool. So the second point you made after good riding position, good standing riding position, was um, about vision. Yeah. Yep. So when it comes to when it comes to vision, I think you touched on it a little bit, but one of the m- more common mistakes is that people aren't quite looking in the right place or don't get that it's maybe quite nuanced. Yeah, and I think I think a little bit. We again we're talking about not getting fixated on one phrase you know again you you sort of see it on the internet and for sure we talk about a lot on the school you've got to look further ahead you've got to look further ahead and and that sentence comes about because as we're learning and again it doesn't matter how good you are but when you're in a stressed situation when you're near the edge of what your riding ability wherever that is for a beginner obviously it's a in a different point to what it is for someone like us and it's somewhere else again for your Brad Freemans, you know, um, the best riders in the world. That that point's a different point. But whenever you're near the edge of the point where you're close to the edge of your ability, the natural human thing is for everything to close down. So we squat down on the bike, our arms come in, and our vision drops. So the goal when you're learning and trying to improve is to not go too close to that edge so that you can keep concentrated on working on improving your vision a bit like the standing position if we talk about the default vision of course it's a, a far, as far down as the trail as i can see at this point but the reality of that is very different because the trail changes it goes around a corner it goes down a hill it goes a bit steeper than i wanted it to go um, it's littered in rocks so it's very easy for your vision to then just get drawn into that that problem that pile of rocks that's making you nervous and for sure, you have to see those rocks. If you keep staring blindly into the distance, you don't see the big rock and you drive into that one big rock and, and it causes you a problem. So, you know, sometimes your vision has to come down to the detail that's in front of you. The goal is to learn not to get fixated on that problem right in front of you, is to see it, decide what you're going to do about it, and then look ahead to the next obstacle further down the trail so we're always changing our vision it's not i've got to look further ahead i've got to look further ahead i've got to look at the scenario in front of me assess it decide what i'm going to do about it stay in balance as i ride over it but already having glanced up the trail and seen oh the other side of that pile of rocks is a lovely nice bit that i'm happy to deal with fine carry on or there's another pile of rocks three meters on, so I'm going to deal with this one. I'm going to know that's coming. I'm going to deal with that one. So your vision's changing all the time, in the same way as our balances, our body positions altering all the time to keep us in balance. Yeah. So those two things are very hand in hand. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So what is next on that list of things? You're, once your standing position's dialed, you know where you're meant to be looking, even if you're not always looking there. What are you working on next? Or what are common mistakes people are making? Trying to put these things in a particular order is always a challenge because they don't necessarily come in a particular order. They all work hand in hand, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I think the, the the three controls are super important. Throttle control, clutch control. For, 
brake control, the okay. finesse on those three items. Um, and uh, I think the biggest mistake, I don't know if that's the right way around to put it, but what we need to evolve and what we need to develop is our is our gentleness with those controls. I think when, and again, just to put it in perspective, when we're new to riding, if we're talking about teaching people to ride at the start, but I emphasize these problems continue to happen all throughout your riding. Whenever you get near the edge of your ability, this stuff unravels. So that's the goal is to constantly improve. And it's one of the beauties of riding motorcycles and especially off-road is that you do have to constantly keep trying to get better and better and better at these same core skills. So, you know, when we use the clutch or the brake levers, we're always super gentle with them. We're always taking that first bit of slack out of the levers, the, fr the free play as we like to call it, but the bit where the levers aren't actually doing anything, we take that out first so that when we do go to activate the clutch or the brake, we're already sort of on the pressure point and we're learning to manage them in a very gentle way the the you know the brake particularly if we're the tiny if we're tiny bit aggressive with it and we touch it a little bit sharper than we intended the outcome is is we throw ourselves off balance so yeah. again we're back to that body position yeah so we need to know i'm going to gently apply the brake so i set my body position a little bit just before i touch the brake so i keep myself it's back to that keeping yourself in balance mm -hmm. and then you can keep using the brake nicely if that first touch of the brake surprises you and you throw yourself off balance then suddenly you're going to accidentally pull the brake even more because you're off balance yeah so you're going to exacerbate the problem they so feed each other they feed each other so so you've definitely got to yeah anticipate your own actions a little bit and set your body position for using the controls. It's the same when we go for the clutch. You know, the clutch is, I think when people come from road riding, they don't understand how important the clutch is when we ride off-road, but the clutch is the, is the mechanism we have to measure how much of that, especially with an adventure bike, how much of that these days, 100 plus horsepower we've got available to us is actually going to the rear tire and again 100 horsepower is going to throw you off balance very quickly that's an understatement <laughs> <laughs> so 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 when we the clutch can measure that power and if we only want three horsepower to go to the back tire we can do that with the clutch we can't do it with the throttle mm -hmm. it's like everything the engine's got is always there when i turn the throttle so i can yeah i can give it to the tire more quickly or more slow that was a strange thing to say. Um, but I can't actually reduce the amount of power going through that tire with mm -hmm. the throttle. Yeah, I can yeah. only deliver it at the change the rate of delivery. Whereas with the clutch, I can actually go, all right, I only want to give it 20 horsepower now. So I just take a little bit of that power away with the clutch. And then I can control, again, how aggressively the bike moves in a technical situation when it is slow speed or there's some rocks or there's some slippery ground, I can control that and it gives me much more chance to stay in balance. Mm -hmm. So we're back to that thing of yeah, keeping yeah, yeah. our body in balance okay. by having some finesse on the controls. Yeah, and if I'm off balance, the clutch and brakes suddenly become aggressive because mm -hmm. I'm falling over at the same time as I'm grabbing the lever. That's a really nice way of putting it actually, the kind of description of how to, what the clutch is for, you know, when you're talking in the context of someone that's come from road riding, that's a really nice way of putting it. And so, 
So if you're talking about someone who who has done a bit of off-road, maybe they've done a couple of training schools here or there, yeah, what what would you say to them next are the things that they need to work on after the kind of body position, finesse on the clutch and brake? I, I think, you know, putting yourself, like, like I say, you're trying to move that, that stress point of as you as you get better and your ability goes higher, mm-hmm. you, you, you're trying to kind of move that stress point of where you're f- fixing those basics in a more technical environment. So, you, you know, we... We, we see it all the time when we go through our levels of courses and, and over the years we've developed more and more kind of drills to put those same skill sets into a more technical environment. And, and that's the challenge, I think, as you get better is to go, all right, that thing I found difficult, so let's just go and do that thing but concentrating on those main basics of keeping the control subtle, keep myself in balance the whole time I'm doing that more technical obstacle. Because in the end, it always comes back to that stuff. Of, as soon as you throw yourself off balance, you're in that whiskey throttle environment and it all goes wrong very, very quickly. Yeah. And I suppose that's the same no matter how good you get. That's the same for me and for you and for riders that are infinitely better than us. A hundred percent. You know, and I know beautiful example. I think the, the easiest example when we talk about the off-road school environment on our courses, you know, the one everybody wants to be able to do is that, you know, that brake slide into a power slide because it feels awesome. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun, um, you know, especially on an adventure bike. They actually do that stuff better than a dirt bike. You know, yeah, they big, do. It's awesome. Yeah, doing big power slide drifts mm. on a 1250GS or, you know, whatever big adventure bike you've got. There's, there's no better feeling. It's so cool. And when we're teaching it, you know, it always ends up breaking down to those same set problems. Mm. You know, when you're com- when you're coming in to set the the slide up, if you're a little bit off balance, well, it's really complicated. There's a lot of really when you do a good brake side power slide and you're doing it consistently, you're there's a huge amount of movement, there's finesse, there's immediate changes of body position and controls. You kind of have to use pretty much. Well, you have to use every single All control. control and move your body a really long way and move your feet left and right all in kind of the space of half a second. Yeah, and keeping your keeping your hands and arms light so that you can do those controls with that amount of finesse mm-hmm. is critical. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've done a, a million of those, but you know yourself, sometimes you just come into a corner and you're just ever so slightly off balance and you do the most long slide ever and you half high side and you shoot off outside the corner yeah and 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 then you're like what am i doing and you go back and you do it again and, and it's only the smallest little change again the, the the concentrating on the vision to put your front wheel exactly where you've decided to put it mm-hmm. not roughly but exactly and the, you know exactly the right moment to dial the power on and you can only dial the power on if you've already shifted your body weight forwards and mm-hmm. it's those little details it does come back to those core skills but like you said it's now happening super quick yeah, yeah. you know and it has to be precise and if you're ha- not yeah. yeah so yeah so that that's you know we like i said we've developed a load of drills that help to to put those skills in the right order but i'm saying to people out there if you if you haven't got that just go to the thing that's giving you trouble mm-hmm. and and just do that thing until it's not given thir- yeah 30 times not 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 forcing the issue not thinking why can't i do this 
but just slowing the whole thing down and doing it with those thoughts in mind to do those things correctly and to keep yourself in balance as you're doing it. Yeah. And it'll start to come. Yeah. So it sounds a lot as well it, within what the kind of the framework of what you're saying is that like the goal is precision, not just being able to be in a good position, but being able to do it and be precise with all your movement of your, your own body and of the bike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, another great example for me is we see it when people are coming sort of up through the levels a little bit, sort of getting to that kind of top end of what, you know, in our curriculum sort of level two and into level three where that precision starts to become super critical and, you know, putting your front wheel exactly where you want to put it. You know, even riding down a rut's a great, another great example of that. You know, you can, you can ride down a rut and get away with a lot mm. and recover a lot of situations, but suddenly... If you can ride down the rut, putting the front wheel exactly where you want it in that rut, like, you know, making that decision whether the base of the rut's the best place to be or the the left-hand edge of the rut or sometimes even the front wheel out of the rut and the back wheel in the rut, for example, you know, once you're in that position where you can make those kind of decisions, then the world starts to open up even further. And to be able to make those decisions, again, it's not rocket science, it's just taking those you know that that discussion that we had already about the vision it's a little bit more detailed to that vision you're suddenly starting to see that that's an option because mm -hmm. you're because you're already relaxed riding down ruts you can do a basic rut at the start you can't imagine thinking about that detail all you can think about at the start when you're learning ruts like we teach them when we when we do our curriculum is look right to the end and hope yeah and hope don't look at the detail of the rut look to the end and yeah and, and keep driving but then once that's comfortable then you can kind of bring it back and go okay i can do that now so what's the next step the next step is just to be more precise in a rut mm -hmm. and so we're always evolving and i think that you know a real challenge when you're when you are trying to learn like that it is to make sure you're only taking those bite-sized pieces and just just one small step at a time as soon as you go from all right i can i can ride around in a circle to now i want to do a power slide it doesn't work you know that's when people overstep the mark and and actually that's when you risk getting hurt mm. you know if, if you if you learn through bit by bit it's actually quite safe to become a good motorcycle rider if you learn just by turning the gas and praying and hoping hoping it's going to work out that's when you end up slowing the learning process down because you have six weeks out with a broken collarbone yeah right yeah and that you know that's not good for anyone's learning so mm. it's super important to old cliche but walk before you run yeah, yeah you know that's that's a little bit you know as on the instructor team side at, at the off-road school like we've been sort of drumming away at that message for a long time because you know we have our four different levels now and people always want to tick the next level off and get the next certificate for sure but over the years we've seen the people that learn the best and end up with end up the best riders and you know with the best safe outcome are the ones that don't move from one lesson plan to the next until they've absolutely excuse me until they've absolutely nailed it you know and when you do it that way i think you learn very safely I think, I think one of the more interesting points when it comes to learning, obviously I, I teach at the off-road school as well. Um, and I, I've noticed in the last few years, I've spent a lot of time learning to snowboard, but in a very stubborn, not, uh, in a very stubborn way in that I've kind of, I've been that person. 
our worst student. Yeah, <laughs> almost, well, not a student. I've kind of just stood at the top of the hill and kept doing it until I've started to figure it out and watch some YouTube videos and try to figure it out. And it's a slow process. Um, and I think coming from the other end, I, obviously I grew up in quite a learning environment and then I did quite a lot of racing um, and spent a lot of time paying attention to it and learning and being in a teaching environment and paying really careful attention to my riding to the point where I think even if I'm not the best rider in the world, my riding is pretty good, it's pretty precise, I understand what I'm doing. But on the flip side, because of that, I spend a lot of I have spent a lot of time around really experienced riders, you know, people that have been riding off road on dirt bikes for a really long time. And they they seem to make quite a lot of fundamental mistakes quite often. You know, they're the things that hold them back from moving to the top of their class, from becoming, say, in dirt bike world, like an expert level rider. It sounds a bit weird. It's not that difficult to achieve being an expert level rider if you are filled with belligerence and you consistently just ride a lot, you can get there pretty easily. Um, so what are those, what, what do you think of those kind of key mistakes that quite experienced riders get? You know, the ones that don't go through the process of like a school, but they've done a lot of riding. Well, you, you, you get to a point where you, it it's becomes difficult to get to that next level, that's all. Mm. You, you know, exactly what you just said. You can, you can, everyone can get pretty good just putting a lot of hours in. But then you end up you you well the danger is, and we've all we've all been guilty of this in our own level in our own way is, you you know things are working pretty good and you're getting better and getting faster so you just stubbornly put more hours in without continuing to evolve the technique at the same time so you you kind of form bad habits it's a again a little cliche isn't it you know driving's the same riding on the road's the same every everything we do in our lives we we develop little bad habits and often we know they're bad habits but eh, everything's working out pretty good so mm -hmm. don't fix it so what ends up then is you put your ten thousand hours in as again the internet loves to say you need to be to become an expert at something definitely not true that you know but if you put those ten thousand hours in developing a bad habit it's very very difficult to then override that little synapse in your brain mm -hmm. with with a with a new scenario so yeah then you then you get a little bit stuck and getting to another level is impossible because you have to you can't undo that habit we can never I, I, you know you can never undo a bad habit all you can do is build a new good habit on top of that so yeah yeah, yeah. so you know that's the way our brains work Mm -hmm. it's the synapses uh, develop that little pathway it's there mm -hmm. um, so you have to yeah you have to put another little pathway in that when it hits that trigger point it goes off in a different direction and that that's harder that mm -hmm. you know that takes again more time to to make that change so mm -hmm. hey you know like I said we're all we're all absolutely guilty of that for sure for sure I am you know there were there was a lot less sort of training schools when I was coming up through riding and racing and most of my learning was definitely done by you know the whole thing a great example I can remember it so clearly many enduros in the mountains in Oz when I was young you know I didn't know the whole thing about always putting your foot to the uphill side on an off camera and we had lots of off camera single track and I fell the wrong way down the hill a million times before I worked that out for myself <laughs> I also know that feeling and I think I did know that <laughs> 
I think, so, I think yeah. someone probably explained to me how to ride off cambers when I was probably like 11 and I don't think I figured it out until I was 20. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that, that, that's where like it, it actually on the other side of that coin painting sort of like a challenging negative picture in a way, but on the other side of that coin, it constantly amazes me. It constantly amazes all of us that with, with a few schools and not much experience, the level and, and, you know, starting out on a big bike, um, the level that people can get to in a in a short period of time with you know starting off with kind of good basic technique and then putting a few hours on top of that it it's incredible every year we see people come through that you're just like you know, actually kind of the other way how have you got that good that quick it's it's super impressive mm. so obviously your first kind of key mistake that more experienced riders make was that do just get stuck in the process of developing bad habits and then sticking with them. Is there anything that you quite regularly see from that kind of level of rider that's typically the first thing you go and work on when you watch them ride? Well, I'm, all, I'm always going to go back to, yeah, body position and movement. I think, I think, yeah, good movement as well. And I'm 100% guilty of this. It's actually something I've only really sort of started to work on and make better for myself in the last couple of years and a little bit from coming down here and spending time under your office mm -hmm. around people that are a little bit better at moving and you know riding, riding. When, when you say moving you mean like physically yeah physical your... body movement and how coordinated you are forget about the motorbike off the motorbike how coordinated okay yeah, your yeah. body is how how well you can move and that allows you to move quickly and to stay in balance because you can move through more range of movement and more quickly. Yeah. You, you know, it's a lot of us, and I include myself in this, as you get a bit older and you spend more time sat in an office, on an office chair, behind a desk, on the couch, um, you know, even if you're someone that tries to be reasonably fit, it probably means you go out and do something not in an office chair or a couch for half an hour a day or an hour a day. Most of your day is spent very immobile mm. um and yeah it's all right for you youngsters but as we get a bit older that again that's a that's now a that's now a sort of habit that's built into your body mm -hmm. so you get slow and lazy at moving through more range of movement and more quickly and and you pay the price for that on the bike for sure mm. for sure you do so I've gone a little bit off on a tangent there. But. No, but I don't think you have. I think it's quite, uh, for me, I, I'm also kind of think the same really uh, as I kind of started to pay attention to that stuff more and I learned to move better. I noticed how much it improved my riding immediately. Do you know mm. the, the moment I, yeah, I feel like I can decide exactly what my body's doing much better than I could before I kind of started doing some, paying attention to learning to squat well and learning to hinge well and learning to move well it really improved my riding a lot um well it's back yeah. to what i said right at the start is when you when you haven't got you mentioned a squat there when you haven't got a good squat on you and you can't move from a squat position to an upright position without using your arms mm -hmm. then for sure you're going to use your arms on the motorbike because you've only got a foot peg to stand on you mm -hmm. haven't got the whole whole length of your foot to to push you up off the ground and if you're if you're then not able to go from that sort of squat position that low in the bike position to standing upright without having to use your arms to 
help you stay in balance, then absolutely 100% you have to use your arms when you're riding a motorbike. And you, you, it's hidden. It's hidden a little bit because you've got the handlebars in your hand. Mm. But, at, but at that moment when you're going from the low part of the squat to standing in a good motorcycle riding standing position and you're using your arms for, for that piece, you're pulling on the handlebars, you can't do the throttle and clutch nicely anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're back to that thing at the start. You're making your life... You're, yeah, you're stopping yourself from being able to get better at those skills just because you you can't move as well as you should be able to 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 ride well. Mm. Um, and and yeah, I mean, like a, like I say, I'm throwing stones in glass houses here. It's it's doesn't it's not a massively difficult or time consuming thing. It doesn't mean you need to go and spend hours in the gym every week. It just helps if you've got a little bit of an understanding of your own body. And those little areas where you have got weakness in your movement or you become a little bit uh, immobile, then you can fix that little bit. Mm. And, and again, don't try and turn yourself into a super athlete with three hours a day in the gym. Just just go and fix one thing. You know, If you're a bit tight in the hamstrings, do some stretches for six weeks mm. and, and that'll probably fix that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then work on something else. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. only needs to be 10 minutes every morning mm-hmm. in, your, in your house. You can change that stuff mm-hmm. quickly and dramatically. You know, I, as you know, I, I've had some problems due to years of riding motorbikes with lower yeah, back yeah. and... Um, well, and probably then, a bit of a lot of time working that. in an office as well. Yeah, and that stuff. And, and I've had, yeah, some quite difficult problems with that over the last few years. But most of those things I have... It takes time again and it takes a little bit of discipline. But most of those things I've improved dramatically. I haven't fixed them. They don't fix when you get a bit older but you can definitely make a massive difference mm. okay yeah yeah so do you still find yourself improving as a rider a hundred percent yeah all the time yeah and and you know i'm not motivated to you know to become faster as a racer anymore for sure but i'm definitely still motivated all the time to be a better safer rider rider and and for me that's about enjoying my riding more mm-hmm. you, you know and i think every bit of improvement you have in your riding it um yeah it puts a smile on your face and and it it makes you happy and it, especially when we talk about adventure riding like the goal for me for anyone that that is in adventure riding is to get to the point where you're comfortable to be able to ride to whatever comes across whatever you come across in front of you and still see the world that you're riding through mm-hmm. you know if you're if you're relaxed enough and in a comfortable enough place doesn't matter about going fast we're not about going fast when we do adventure riding we're about seeing the world mm-hmm. you know that fast is relevant yeah, yeah, totally, you know, yeah the speed is relevant to your ability as well you know what with the, the speed that you're comfortable at and you can still see what's going on around you and notice the the interesting thing on the horizon and you know not hit the deer that runs out in front of you because you're you know, you're, you're aware enough of what's going on. That's the goal for me is to, the more you improve and the better you become as a rider, the, the more enjoyment you get out of that adventure riding. Like, like I say, crossing off the thing about wanting to be a fast racer because for most of us, that's not the goal, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it is, you're probably not listening to this podcast. You're probably out there burning fuel right now. Yeah, yeah. even under lockdown. Yeah. Oh. In your riding around in circles in your bedroom. No, I'd do that right now if I was allowed to. So, anything else that you kind of regularly see with experienced riders as like a 
if you were sat here, maybe work on this because there's a good chance you're not doing it. Because yeah. there's something that's come to mind. Yeah, right? you're, anyway. you're obviously heading somewhere with this. No, got, not yeah. at all. It's just uh, answering the questions I had written down. But there's there's always little things that, you know, because I would describe myself as an experienced writer that was it makes some fundamental mistakes that almost I didn't know about because they're not well-documented things, you know. Um, for a good example, about this time last year, it was pointed out to me that it's a really good idea going around rutted corners to push on the outside foot peg. And that had literally just bypassed me altogether. So through all my racing that I did, I was going around rutted corners trying to go as fast as possible without any pressure on the outside foot peg. And the moment I realized that, it blew my mind. That's quite a good example because you're pretty fast around rutted corners and it's a great example of someone who's going pretty quick without... You know, with just a little a little detail like that missing. Yeah. And, and yeah, make can make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. you're getting away with it, so you didn't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and another really good example, and I, I think this, uh, this one was kind of something I almost had in mind when I wrote this question, and not to answer your question for you, for you um, but was the, the kind of process of how breaking changes as you get better. I think when you, you start out learning to ride off-road, for most people, they have to um, go through a process of learning to use the brakes more with more finesse, but also more aggression than they typically do on the road. Unless someone's a really experienced road rider, they never brake hard. Um, you never go through that process of emergency stopping. But when you're riding a dirt bike, I think you have to do that all the time. Um, especially if you're trying to ride fast because you're braking hard for corners, you're braking hard on downhills and so on. So you learn a lot more braking control if you grow up riding off-road than if you start on the road. But yeah, it was pointed out again by someone else who's really experienced on a bicycle that the the pattern in which you brake has a really big impact over how quickly you can stop because it changes the action of the bike. So if you brake ever so slightly rear wheel first so you go rear front it massively changes how much you can load the front wheel and how quickly you can do it and how the bike responds to bumps which you know it's such a small thing but it's, it's kind of along that vein is there anything in that in that vein that you you kind of see people make all the time and you're like okay this is a silly mistake you know a re another really good example is we watch a lot of professional level motocross and I would put it at nine out of 10 professional motocross riders can't pick a dirt bike up properly. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. You Love know, it. how often do you see them pick it up with their hands crossed? So then they end up stalling it and they have to start it again and then they lose a minute because they put their right hand on the throttle and you know, they just, they just do it wrong. And then they kick the back of it when they're getting on because they're all flustered and they fall over again. And you know, it's a you know, these are some of the best motorcycle riders in the world. And that's a really fundamental mistake. Like it's lesson one on your course. Yeah, but it, ha it happens to those guys because one, their heart rate's at 190 beats a minute. So they've stopped thinking. Mm. They've got that massive uh, pressure to, to, to go again. And, you know, for all that they spend a, a, a million hours going around corners and, uh, and over jumps, they don't ever practice picking their bike up. No, but there's quite a good anecdote <laughs> yeah. about that. From yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, because obviously a lot of the time for the motocross guys, it's like, well, they're not they're not thinking about that as an important skill. But uh, um, a few years ago, a friend of mine, Jeff Ballard, who is those of you that may know, 
He's a multi-time uh, Australian and American off-road champion from back in the day. And he, he used to be on a factory team with a guy called John Martin who when he was racing in America. And they, they used to literally do that drill of crashing and getting up and being able to go again with minimum seconds on the ground. And, and yeah, they actually did that as a drill week in, week out. Mm. Which is, uh, yeah, it's the same old thing. You know, you've got to you've got to practice the bits that you want to get better at. And yeah, yeah, totally. Pick and pick and, You know, we we do have it with the adventure bike world, isn't it? Because picking up the bike, not so much. People do tend to get to practice that, but the classic one of that is is not making up a hill and then having to do a hill recovery and go back down the hill again. And we, you know, we do it on all the levels of the course, but for a lot of people quite often the only time they've actually done it is that that drill that yeah. one time drill and then when it happens in a real life situation it's like it's totally gone it's mm -hmm. forgotten and it's not a fun thing to practice for sure but it is a really great basic bike handling skill and if you get good at that then turning your bike around in your garage or in a car park is suddenly a doddle mm. i think it's a really good one yeah so I, I think I've got, like in my mind, I've got a really similar one, especially for, for quite experienced off-road riders, especially guys that are riding dirt bikes a lot, um, is learning to get your bike unstuck is in a bunch of different scenarios, whether you're moving forwards or going backwards the way you came, is one of the most important skills for a dual sport adventure rider. I think I've, yeah, I've got, you know, it's one of my favorite skills is that when... I don't feel like there's many scenarios that I can't get a bike out of because I've had it there before and been stuck. Um, yeah, and I think I quite often see that with really experienced riders, guys that have been riding a lot of events and trail riding and single track riding for years, but they've got zero capacity to rescue a situation once it goes wrong. Yeah, and then suddenly there's seven guys pulling a GS out of a ditch and all pulling against each other when actually one person that's got <laughs> yeah, one, a, yeah. a few of those core skills back to that. Mm. That hill recovery is a, a, a great example, but a few other little sort of back-to-basic skills you can get a big adventure bike out of pretty much every scenario on your own. Oh, there's a few... Sure definitely can't but yeah close though. i'm sure yeah, there'll be some many. good videos of the, yeah yeah for sure no i agree that's a, that's sort of super important is to well it's a real world useful skill isn't it yeah. you know and it, it yeah they kind of go hand in hand with odd scenarios well, be, like well because again it takes for me it goes back to that that um value to the adventure rider is being happy to go anywhere and go into any scenario and i always talk you know, with, with my group, my groups about, it's not about becoming a super great off-road rider. It's about being in that little uh, village that's got a castle on the top of a mountain in, you know, in the middle of Italy and it's all cobbled and technical and difficult and narrow. And you want to have a little look at what's up there because probably what's at the top of the village is worth the look, but you're scared to take your bike up there because you're worried if you turn up the alley, you can't get out again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what you don't want to fear when you're when you're an adventure rider is you want to go into that little cobbled alley mm -hmm. and be happy that if it gets too steep or too difficult you can turn around and go back the way you came and yeah that that's why for me practicing those skills is is gold is to be happy to do that adventurous stuff mm -hmm. cool so we are currently i imagine well 
most people that are going to listen to this are in some sort of lockdown environment. I think if you live in the US, that's a bit mixed. But here in the UK, it's a little bit like a zombie apocalypse. There's nobody outside. It's quite weird. Um, or inside in or, this building. <laughs> or inside in our office building. It's completely shut down, isolated. It's just us. So have you got any thoughts about things, skills, movement, things that people can work on when they're not allowed to ride? Like we're not allowed to go riding at the moment. It's kind of essentially banned um, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, have you got any tips or drills that people can practice in their own garages, do in their living room? Need to get the old, um, yeah, it'd be one for the history books. I wonder if you can find it on the on the internet, the old uh, Bent Aberg's uh, Techniques of Motocross book where he had the, uh, had the had the handlebars attached to a attached to a bungee on the wall. Did he? <laughs> yeah. How, no, back in need... the back in the seventies or whatever. So, explain that a little bit more. Well, there's nothing more to explain about no, that. No, is what's there? the purpose of it? I I got no idea. He had a whole bunch of drills in his book that made no sense. No, they made lots of sense when I was 17, and I read his book and wanted to go fast on a motocross track. <laughs> um, so I think you explained one to me the other day that you saw Jimmy Lewis. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This that's a, that is a very nice one actually. Jimmy Jimmy Lewis uh, little drill. You can find it on his. Um, somewhere jimmy lewis's youtube channel or okay. website or whatever okay. i'm st I'm still googling this bent aberg's technique of motocross yeah there you go um yeah J jimmy kind of does a drill that's about uh being able to get your one foot down back to the the one foot down which again actually this is a really good one that you were talking about people making like real core mistakes and and for sure, this is something we see with even people that are um, good riders. You, you know, the, the, the thing about keeping one foot on the foot peg, so you're always in control of the bike and the other foot goes on the ground. And that, the, the little bit that's misunderstood about that is it's not just putting your foot down, it's about weight shift. So again, we're keeping everything in balance. So when you go to reach for the ground with one foot, it means you shift all your weight to that foot, to that side as well so that you keep the bike in balance and yourself in balance and you know where it can be super frustrating i've been out riding loads i can think of some great examples last year where we went trail riding in the uk with lots of gates and it's really frustrating watching good riders not be able to park their bike in a little bit of difficult terrain and get off it and go and open that gate and take their bike through the gate park their bike again and go back and shut the gate mm -hmm. and the reason that becomes a struggle is because the bit about keeping your balance and keeping one foot on the ground and choosing which foot and being aware of the detail of the ground under your foot and therefore under where you might want to put your side stand or where you might want to lean your bike against the bank a lot of the time when we're trail riding it's much easier to put your handlebar on a tree or you know even lie the bike down against a 45 degree bank, typical British situation, mm -hmm. and go and open and shut that gate. And it all comes back to that, getting yourself comfortable with being able to keep your balance to the side of the bike you want to put have it to and put your foot to that side. Yeah. Which leads me to Jimmy's little drill, which is actually a really difficult drill. I'll be honest, it's a, it is a difficult drill, but it, it's 
about perfecting that technique. And while we're locked down and we can sit in our bikes in our garage, it is a great drill that we can do without moving anywhere. Mm-hmm. So he he does it um, twofold. There's sitting and there's standing. The sitting one's the easier one to start with for sure. And, and it's exactly that uh, situation I described. So you're sat on the bike, you've got one foot on the foot peg and the other foot's on the ground. And you put your foot up on the foot peg you balance for as long as you can doesn't matter how long if it's one second or five seconds or anywhere in between and then when you start to lose your balance you go and you put your foot to the side where you've lost your balance to so without holding the handlebars and to start with you do it with the handlebars but the goal is to do it without the handlebars okay because then you know at the start we need a little bit to like all skills, okay, you know, so the progression is the progression. Start holding the handlebars like you're normally riding, just one foot down, one foot up, one foot yep. down, one foot up. Exactly. And if you know, if you put your left foot up and your balance goes back to left, your left comes down. Mm-hmm. And like I said, not just your foot, you're shifting your body to that side. So, so you get just... your foot down properly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not tippy toes. You're going to get that foot solid. Yeah. If you put your foot up the next time and you try to keep your balance and your foot goes whichever way. Cool. I think we'll try and find the video and we'll put a link in the description. And then the evolution is to go to doing that standing. Yeah. Now, now again, if you haven't got good body movement or good quad strength to to do it is really difficult because it's quite a step up. Yeah, it's huge. Especially once you start trying to do it without compensating by holding the handlebars. So the progression is sitting with your hands on the handlebars sitting without your hands on the handlebars, standing with your hands on the handlebars, standing without. The, the interim step we can do there is is maybe to put a small step of some sort either side of the bike so you're not going a full sort of foot peg height. Depends how tall you are. I suppose, yeah, it depends it? how yeah. tall you are. But for sure that, that complete step up from the ground to the foot peg mm-hmm. takes a lot of quad strength. Yeah. to do that in balance. Well, if you practice it enough in the next two months, yeah, you'll have, you'll, you'll have the quads. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. but it, and, and it is, it's, you know, if you watch Jimmy's video, I mean, the guy, you know, in his era was one of the best racers in the world off-road. Well, and quite know. interestingly, for a desert guy, he's super good at technical he's riding. He's really good at technical, yeah. You he, know, he's he was like... A, he was a very good rider, you know, enduro, six days, desert. But a little he, bit he like did. extreme stuff as well. He's real good at, which is yeah, kind yeah. of surprising because yeah. a lot of desert guys are hit and hope. Yeah, but he, he well, he was one of the best in the world, and in mm. the era he was coming up in, he was he was competing in what was then difficult enduros. You know, now we've yeah. got this differentiation with extreme enduros, but he was doing enduros when they were hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so no, he's a really, really good rider, and he makes that exercise look ridiculously easy there's no question so if mm. you watch his video don't be despondent that you can't do it as well as him on day one yeah you won't <laughs> i think this sounds like a little but, break magazine challenge that we should uh yeah we should put this out yeah there. I'm, I'm into it i reckon i'm gonna be, i'm gonna be a little bit arrogant I thanks reckon, jimmy you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> i i reckon i can do that because I, I think it's probably one of those things that's like um without having tried it um it's really good for forcing you to move in a good way because if you if your if your movement pattern this is a super nerdy thing i'm like really into movement patterns but if your movement pattern is is such that you don't have great ankle mobility this is going to be a way harder challenge for you than if you have got good ankle mobility because 
if you're if you're going if when you push up on one leg you're quad dominant and you don't have the capacity to move your ankle down enough to engage your posterior chain if you're turning off now because this is too nerdy that's fine but basically if you can't push your ankle down enough you can't use your butt muscles and your hamstrings to generate any power so then you need a quad your quad is actually a quite small muscle you need quads that can generate huge amounts of force to push you up and keep you in balance so if you can't push your ankle down you'll tip forwards and you'll not have the strength required to get yourself onto the foot peg. Hey folks, this is what happens when your uh, office is over a CrossFit gym. <laughs> and you're a massive nerd. We've been over this before. That's fine. I'm okay with it. I've come to terms with it in my middle age. Um, but I think it, it, like, it's a really clever idea. Like, it's a really good drill. Um, because if it has, if you have those movement patterns, it will show really quickly and it'll either force you to fix them if you want to learn it. Or you can just accept that you don't have it and it's fine. One of the two. <laughs> um, so where are we? Is there anything else that you would say is like a really a really good thing for people to work on at home? Whether it's a skill like that or just a physical movement thing. Mm -hmm. Good question. No, no I've, I've got well, it's another kind of riding thing that's definitely kind of quite common, mm -hmm. I think. And that and that's uh, you know right at the beginning of teaching people to off road, and we we talk about being able to lean the bike over and keeping your weight on the outside of the bike, and and people definitely get that reasonably early in their riding when they stood up. Yeah, when they stood yeah. up. Hey, it applies when you're sat down as well for sure. But people definitely get that. But what often happens then is they've got that bit worked out, but they lose the bit about then looking around the corner and turning your whole body into the corner so they end up leaning the bike over so imagine you're going to lean the bike to the right but actually leading with the right shoulder so the upper body is twisted the wrong way for the corner so their shoulders are basically still pointed straight yes yeah yeah exactly so it's i think that's a great one to uh, yeah i don't know how you do that in the well bedroom, if you've got a vaguely <laughs> decent sized garage you could just a uh, garden sorry ride around in circles you could ride around in circles in your garden and practice just that make sure you don't fall over and uh, break your ankle doing don't it don't break your ankle put your boots on yeah put your boots on nice cool well i think that's probably about it we are at an hour ish if we take out the bit where we were just talking crap at the start and nothing useful was said there was probably about four minutes of that um unless you've got anything else to say I'd say tell the people what you have going on, but <laughs> that might seem like uh, tell the people what you haven't got going on right now is probably a more yeah. important statement. Yeah. First off-road school of the uh, of the season just uh, finished. Yes, oh no, it didn't. <laughs> no, yeah, sad times. Hey, what a good time we had in Portugal, though, eh? It was good. Yeah, yeah. hopefully uh, some of you have seen some of the videos we shot with dirt bikes. Yeah, that's it, I suppose. Perfect. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day. You are welcome. Um, we will have another podcast in a few weeks. So once again, thank you for listening. Thanks again for being a Patreon subscriber. That is very, very kind of you, especially in this current time. Um, yeah. Speak to you soon. I don't know how to end this. <laughs>